Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Politics Podcast. It's Malcolm Clark and Liam Carr, and it's the 18th of January, 2015. We motor onwards and upwards towards the general election in May. It will come around very, very fast. Liam, how's your week been? How are you doing? It's been very busy as always. I was out campaigning in Fudder, listening to voters on the doorstep. And um, I'm afraid this is one recovery for the rich and one recovery for the rest of us. Because if you actually listen to people, which is something conservatives tend not to do, um, you will find that people are still struggling and that uh, the prices really haven't gone down while wages um, have stagnated. And we're seeing some falls at the pumps, which is good. Petrol prices are going down, which is which is always good. Uh, I mean, it means jobs in the oil industry, which is which is another issue. So there are two sides to every every coin. But yeah, I've been out listening to people's concerns, and the main things we get are the cost of living crisis, and then local concerns like council issues, such as roads being gridded. And Northumberland Council do a half decent job of gridding the roads. We've got a very rural road network that needs gridding. Um, and yeah, I'll just keep listening to voters from now until May the seventh. So we're going to hear a little bit more about what you've been up to in your local campaign, and a little bit later. But we're going to start first of all with. The local NHS and Liam, you'll agree that this is always a, a key fighting ground. There's definitely massive divisions in terms of what the two main parties plan on doing with the NHS and accusations on both sides as to who's doing what and who will do what to whom. Um, do you want to start with us on this one and what's been in the news this week? Well, it's been a bad week in the NHS and I'd just like to start by paying tribute to the staff who've been putting in shifts and working longer hours and really doing their very best in what have been unbelievably difficult conditions because we have an ongoing crisis in accident emergency and unfortunately the effects of the Tories needless top-down reorganization which costs three billion pounds just totally wasted they can't be used for patient care that that is having an effect um really locally and i've said that nhs staff do a great job but the whole service is under pressure and even in Northumberland, locally, ambulances are having to queue before accessing A&E. And that's happened 73 times. And, I mean, there's even one of the ways of measuring the pressure on accident and emergency is by looking at the number of planned operations that are cancelled, and there was 35 of those. And, and the target that, that we put in place while we're in government, that patients shouldn't be waiting four hours in accident and emergency. It's called accident and emergency for an the reason you've had an accident it is an emergency and four hour waits just shouldn't happen um over 300 patients have waited for longer than four hours in our local hospitals and that was just last week so for the complacency that we're seeing from the health secretary and from david cameron who who just do not recognize this situation and say that there isn't a crisis it's just completely out of touch yeah, I mean, I uh, we didn't do a podcast over the Christmas break, so we should wish you all a Happy New Year. Um, we did one last week, Malcolm. I we said did Happy one last New Year. Week. Yes, I didn't, so I'll say it now. Oh. Um, but anyway, uh, I had a, an incident over the Christmas period where I had to go to hospital. I had some, I'd managed to torn a, a chest muscle, and it was very eerily symptoms similar to a heart attack, so I had to go into hospital. 
and I spent two hours on a on a trolley waiting to get a, a room or a place allocated. Uh, luckily, I wasn't crashing or anything. It turned out to be something else, but uh, you could tell the service was greatly under strain. And I was talking to uh, ambulance, uh, the people that took me in the ambulance, because uh, there, there was no concern like that I might be having a heart attack based on my symptoms. So the only way we can be sure is to give you a blood test. So for that, you're going to have to go in. Um, so I had to get that done. Unfortunately, all, all was well. Um, but I was talking to them and they said that, you know, it's act as accident and emergency that's a real issue. And like Liam said, absolutely hit the nail on the head. It's ambulances queuing outside of, of, of hospitals that don't release the ambulance stock back into the, the community to be helping people. So that causes a, a bottleneck effect and means that the resources that they've got, you know, so it's aren't getting utilised. So it's not a case of just throw more money in. There's a lot more discussions that need to be made about leadership and how how that works in practice, different strategies for keeping things moving because you can buy more ambulances, but if they're just queued up, you know, it's almost not worth doing. We so. do need more money, though. We're going to put £2.5 in every single year, funded by taxes on tobacco companies. Um, and it just needs to be done. And, and locally, we've got a meeting in Hexham, which I'm attending tomorrow night. It's at 7 o'clock in the community centre about planned changes to accident and emergency services at Hexham Hospital. Um, so there'll be a meeting about that and if services are going to be restricted then I fundamentally oppose the restriction of services. Yeah, I mean another thing I'm uh, looking at in terms of, of my, my concerns and from outside the, the box I'm not involved in any discussions to, to change anything but the Health and Social Care Act we've pledged to appeal it if we become a government um, and should that go ahead you know, I hope there's very careful considerations being put into place about how that's going to be done. I think we all agree the last thing the health service needs is another top-down reorganisation. However, we feel we, we need to... We have to end the privatisation well, of the NHS model. We have to act in terms of uh, dealing with what we fundamentally di disagree with that's going on. So it's kind of the lesser of the two evils. But I do hope that very careful considerations made to make that an easy transition. And moving on to our next topic, which is voter registration. And what we've seen this week is figures about people who've dropped off the register. And there are over a million voters who are now not registered to vote. And they need to register before April 20th. They want to make a change in this election. It's, I, I needn't tell listeners about the importance of putting an X in a ballot paper because we have got the power to change our government. But a million people, and a lot of those will be young people, are no longer registered to vote because of changes that have been made to individual voter registration. Just a bit of background, previously a household registered, and now each individual has to register. And one of the side effects of this is that young people have fallen off the register because they move around a lot, they go to university, come back, they may not be registered. And you can check very easily on the Electoral Commission website, it's very easy to register, but people really need to do it. Because what we've seen is the government's changes have in effect targeted young people. So the Conservative Party have no interest in these people registering to vote, because by and large they're not going to vote Tory. Because what we've seen is we've, we've had tuition fees trebled we've had ema education maintenance allowance which was used by um, young people from less well-off backgrounds to cover the costs of continuing education well that was scrapped almost as soon as the tories and lib dems came to power and it's almost like it was planned like we're going to hammer this group of individuals and then we're, they're going to fall off the 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 um, electoral register so it is just a quick job to do if you want to have your say and you want the government of the day to actually represent your interests because if you don't vote you can't complain that the government ignores you that's why 
that it's one of the the strange things that um, people that don't vote they really don't have a voice and I'm, I'm not saying register to vote and vote Labour or I would prefer you to do that but register to vote and just have your say in, in what happens in our democracy yeah we have a massive issue about democratic engagement in this country and it's been a growing problem for, for a long long time much longer than what I think the papers say where it's like it's a recent problem it isn't a recent problem even back in the days where the presumption is that everybody voted they, they, they didn't um, but it's certainly a massive problem to then take a huge swipe at the electoral register and knock a million people off. Um, coincidentally, a million people who probably wouldn't vote for you. I think it's an absolute scandal. We had a big enough problem not losing people who were already on than actually actively taking people off. And these were concerns that were raised uh, at the time of these changes. These concerns were ignored. Um, you know, It's going to affect the results because we're going to have people turning up to vote who are turned away saying, I'm sorry, you're not registered to vote. No matter what we, you know, how... And that is absolutely scandalous. It is, and and it's going to be, these. Th- I mean, this is going to happen in marginal seats where the final result is small enough to cause the horrendous problems where the last time, if you remember, Liam, there was people queuing outside the votings at 10pm, you know, there's all those problems, and some people couldn't vote. So I think, you know, anything like this that affects democracy, we just can't afford in this day and age to, to scupper engagement in any way. So I... You know, yes, we're preaching to the converted if you listen to this podcast, but please, if you know people who you're not sure if they're registered and you think they might want to vote, make sure they are. Because, you know, if you turn up on the day and you're turned away, it is just by miles too late. And uh, moving on to something very serious, this um, changes to anti-terrorism legislation, which has been dubbed the Snoopers Charter. And... As we get towards the election, the Tories and the Lib Dems are going to be split on many issues and they're split in this on this one. The Snoopers Charter is where, this is what it's dubbed, the Snoopers Charter is where the security forces will save all emails that are sent, but allegedly they're not going to actually access them uh, without a warrant. And the Lib Dems have opposed this and what Ed Miliband said is he's just called for calm and restraint. And my personal view is, is that after we've seen these horrendous attacks in Paris and we've seen security arrangements stepped up in, in our cities as well, that this is now not the time to rush into any legislation that could affect civil liberties. And I think the information that we, we've got on potential terrorists is not the problem, Malcolm, is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't got any stats to back this up, but I think I was listening to the Guardian podcast, if anyone wants to listen to that, it's, a, it's probably the second best political podcast in the country behind ours. Um, they, they were talking about how um, the actual identification of potential threats is actually not the problem. The people who, were, who murdered Lee Rigby were known to the authorities. Uh, the, the people, I even believe the gunman who... Uh, did these atrocities in Paris, Charlie Hebdo magazine, they were also known to either one or both of French and UK security agencies. So I think the actual issue of they sell this potential snooping as a way of identifying potential threats. Now, I'm not saying they already identify everything, and there's certainly a very frank discussion to have about whether they have a compromise that we're prepared to make to keep ourselves safe in theory. Um, but like Liam says, and I agree with him 100% on this, that it cannot be knee-jerk. I don't think there's ever a justification in these very important laws to rush. But I do think it's more for me about being very frank about how we intervene. And I think, Liam, we, we identified changes to uh, the, the control orders. 
that could potentially be an issue outside of this that they haven't yet looked at. Yeah, that's right. If we have identified potential terrorists, then there's a number of things that can be done. And, and what was brought in under Labour were control orders. And these were very stringent orders and restrictions placed on the movements of people. And you could also remove people from, from groups of other potential terrorists and put them somewhere else. So you break up terrorist or potential terror cells. And I know there was opposition to the, these control orders, but they were used very sparingly, only when we had a very, um, we had very good grounds to impose them. But they've been watered down by this government, and they're now called T-PIMS. And they're not, they're, they're not as stringent, and they don't have all the measures available that we had under control orders. So if identifying these people is not the serious problem, controlling their movements must be. And I just think we have to look at T-PIMS, and if they've been watered down from control orders, then we need to look at them again. And it, 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 I think the information um, security problem is a problem, but it's not the only piece in the jigsaw. And I'm no expert on this, but I just think watering down anti-terror legislation um, from control orders to TPIMS just was the wrong decision. Well, in the, in the events where someone does do something tragic like this and people lose their life or are severely injured, um, to hear that, oh, yes, they were known to us, just instantly begs the question, well, there was clearly no action taken monitoring somebody is, is sort of an indefinite strategy isn't it? it doesn't actually do anything you know what they're doing but are you actually preventing a the trustee and if you're watching them why are you watching them there must be some concern so i think this is a very important issue to you know reassure people that we're being kept safe i'm not saying that you i'm not blaming you know current policy for what's happened in these two instances i mentioned but i do think that before we just simply make a knee-jerk reaction and gather tons and tons of information. There's also issues like, you know, how on earth do you sift through all this stuff? I mean, how many emails are sent a day? I can't even imagine how you go about doing something like that. But there's all sorts of things going on. All the stuff they're currently doing, the extra stuff they want to do, how's it going to all work? And like, I'm no expert either, but it just seems that, like we said, it's a much more complex issue than perhaps they're making out at the moment. So we're going to move on now to uh, your local campaign update, Liam. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've had a... Uh pretty busy time as always I was up in Hexham on Friday and I met with um, union officials from the RMT the real union and we discussed a few things um, one is a lack of investment on the town valley line and the next round of fare increases and people that use that line from it goes from uh, Newcastle all the way through to Carlisle right the way through the constituency I use the train quite often um, one the, the pacer trains are out of date but the fares keep going up, and what we need to see is investment. And we're not seeing it. What is the investment we've got in in the northeast? I'm just not seeing any, particularly in the Hexham constituency. Um, I mean, even up in the Berwick constituency, the Julianier one, they're only doing 13 miles of it, stop short of Berwick. So, back to real users, they're going to wonder what these fare increases are for. The other thing I discussed with the RMT, these CityLink redundancies, the ones that were made on Christmas Day. What an absolute disgraceful way to treat your employees. And they are RMT members, so the, the, the union's fully supporting those workers. And this company's gone bust, but they haven't even kept enough back in the coffers to pay their redundancies. So it's actually the taxpayer. It's me and you that's going to be paying those redundancies. So a lot of serious issues going on for the RMT. And the, although they're not affiliated, I will work with any organisation that will um, will try and help workers at this difficult time. Absolutely, and CityLink, you know, completely uh, terrible thing that happened on Christmas Day. I think they 
they said that the people who could stay back and help the post backlog that they messed up, you know, they didn't even get all the you know presents to people on time. It was a total disaster. It's just another failure. Lives. It's a failure of privatisation of the postal service, and we're yeah. going to see more of this, unfortunately, since yeah. the the Royal Mail sell-off. Yeah, the problem I think is you just don't know. Um, you know, when, when you work with these big companies, and my brother-in-law used to work for Target, who were acquired by CityLink and have therefore now gone under as well. Yeah, sure. um, that you know, you just don't know when you're working for these big companies. You sort of trust that you know you're working full time and you, they're pulling all these packages out, but they must be making money because it's so big. But you just don't know how how many other companies are walking a financial tightrope. And I think that's just as a side point. Get yourself in a union because you're going to need that backing if someone comes out of the blue. That's a good note to finish on. That join a union. Right, so uh, it's a bit, again, more bad news, guys, but hopefully next week we will try and find some good news stories if we can. Uh, we, we do take a lot of time. If you've got any ideas you want featured on the podcast, you can tweet Liam at Liam Alcar or myself at, at Mal255. Um, and don't forget to check back next week for the next podcast. So until the 25th of January, we will bid you a good evening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.